25 for April 2013. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example on this episode is on Savage Wolverine number 6. In this one, Spidey teams up with Wolverine and Elektra, and it's all penciled by Joe Mad, so it's going to look great. And the cover price $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Okay, let's uh, tackle some viewer mail and an iTunes review. We had one. We've had one iTunes review this year, folks. I would love to read your iTunes review uh, on the air. So please send them in. But let's uh, tackle Rick Lee James wrote a really nice review on March 22nd. The subject title is Amazing Comic Podcast, five out of five stars. I hate, hate, hate Superior Spider-Man, but I love, love, love the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast. Hey. Amazing show, and it helps me stay connected to the world of Spidey now that I've dropped the book. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Mr. Rick Lee James. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, last month, or the previous month, I told you about a truck driver that loaded up his iPod and was listening on the road. Uh, had a, like a 250-mile round trip on the road. However, I was in error. He is not a truck driver. He is, let me just read his email. It's Mr. Robert. He goes, hey, Brad, I'm out on the circuit again. This time, Tulsa to Joplin to Stillwell and back. So he's hitting my hometown. I was listening to podcast number 218 on the turnpike up towards Joplin and heard you read my email. This reminded me that the troll thing I missed getting at Love's I found in a drugstore about a week ago. Maybe it isn't as unusual as I thought. So he found a Spider-Man troll. Ugh. I think, never mind. Anyway, I have found a couple of other Spider-Man items and some not as I tried for Spidey at Tommy Capsule World, but ended up with Magneto and some others I can't remember, but I will try to get it all packed up this week. uh, Anyway, blah, 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 blah. By the way, I am not a truck driver. I'm a Catholic priest. (laughs) He's a Catholic priest driving a circuit celebrating masses in Spanish. So I was off from him being a truck driver. He's a a Catholic priest. He says, comics are one more form of storytelling, and storytelling, as you might imagine, is a key skill for a priest, and being fluent in pop culture is always useful. I cannot tell you how many times I've explained the differences in a synopic, 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 big word, gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, by using the differences in Golden Age, Silver Age, and Bronze Age Superman stories. I hope you and the cast are well, and and I'm finding enjoyment in Spider-Man wherever you may. And Rob, and he signed it at the world's largest McDonald's in Vanita, Oklahoma, and I've actually eaten there. It's not that far from where I am. So, Robert, thank you for listening. I apologize for calling you a truck driver, but and I enjoy that we have Catholic priests listening to us. Father Robert. Father Robert, what do you think of that? We have a Catholic priest listening. Are we all going to hell? (laughs) <laughs> well, I know I am because I am a Catholic. So. Um, I'm now uncomfortable. Um, well, yeah, well, you're con- Zach is now confessing. In a nome do Padre, the Spirit of Santa. Jr., what do you think of that email? I think that's an awesome little email. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to touch it. He. Uh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. He was talking. He was talking about uh, telling stories, and uh, and I uh, know I'm not going to go there. Okay, Chris, what do you think? <laughs> Chris, what do you think, man? Well, I'm all. just I'm just glad that we can reach the ears um, of people from all walks of life. No doubt, we, we're all over the place. All right, Jr. It is time for Spider-Man history. Where are we going this time? Oh well, we're uh, you know taking the Wayback Machine to um, I believe April nineteen eighty. Yes, and um, and uh, we're going to start with Amazing Spider-Man number two hundred three, and um, this is um, you know I listened to the uh, the last Spider history we did and. Uh, I just was appalled. I sounded like a rambling lunatic, you know, and uh, that's, uh, that's uh, one thing is I can think that's the last time I pop a couple of Viagra before a podcast because I was really loopy. Oh, spider, 
is one of people's favorite segments. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this is I, I didn't want to really do another Marv Wolfman era um, history, but uh, in looking at some of the other choices, uh, particularly the uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 299, and it was like, God, this is awful. This is bad. I mean, it's not Stalker from the Stars bad when you can have fun with it. It's just, it's just bad. It's boring. So, so anyway, yeah. so I <coughs> decided to go with um, uh, 1980. And this is Spider-Man's first meeting with the Dazzler. Another fad-related character who never really caught on, but nonetheless continues to hang around the periphery of the Marvel Universe. I didn't, I didn't give the title of it. It's called Bewitched, Bothered, and Bedazzled, which is an old song. It is? It, yeah. Who sang it? Uh, I, I, I remember Frank Sinatra singing. Did somebody else cover it? it Damn, and I thought I was old. Oh. <laughs> oh. Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Yeah, I, I know that one. Oh, I love Frank. Yeah, uh, written by Marv Wolf and Keith Pollard on art. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awkward pause from Jr. Well, let me rewind here. I hear so so. I committed an egregious error in jumping in front of the host and start and uh, didn't allow him to uh, do the preamble. So um, I'm fine. Fourth court seven years ago, issue two hundred three, Amazing Spider-Man. Hit it. I'm kind, I'm kind <laughs> off my game, just as as I've, if I was shot with a, a paint balloon in the nuts, you know. Uh, <laughs> Anyway. You hit me in the boob. <laughs> anyway, like I said, Spider-Man's first meet with the Dazzler, another 70s-related fad character. So got to do a little bit of history here because uh, uh, th- it, this is 1979 when this was actually written and it was released uh, for the April 80 issue. But Disco apparently was damn big in the 70s. I lived yes. during the 70s. I didn't get anywhere near a disco ball. The fact that no. I was a nerd. Really? What? You you didn't boogie oogie oogie, no, and I you know no no, and I wasn't going ah 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 staying alive either. But uh, how old were you in 1980? 1980, I was uh, 17. But you, yeah, that'd be a good fun time to go out to a club. Yeah, I could have boogie, but nobody invited me. Nobody liked me. No boogie. Nobody for liked me. You know, I mean, it was. I can't imagine why, considering what a opti- what, what a cheery, good natured, uh, happy go lucky person that I am. But anyway, and, so, and now you're you're in your forties, and you have thousands upon thousands of people that adore you. That's because they have never met me, um, <laughs> and they don't have to live with me. I love it. But anyway, um, okay. So anyway, late nineteen seventies. This goes big. Marvel gets another brilliant idea, all right. <laughs> like the, like so many of their brilliant ideas, we're going to team up with a record label. In this, <laughs> in this case, it was Casablanca Records, who at that time were the, was the label for Kiss. Uh, and at this very time, Kiss was in negotiations with Marvel to come out with a, a Kiss comic book. And uh, for right. you old farts that may remember, it was written by Steve, none other than Steve Gerber, and it was a Mister um, Howard the Duck. What's that? Mr. Howard the Duck, Steve Gerber. Peter Howard the Duck, and it was a kind of a, it wasn't a graphic novel, but it was kind of a prestige issue type or whatever, you know, thicker covers, more pages, whatever. But anyway, so anyway, so they were doing Kiss, so they, and it, Kiss was represented by Casablanca, so they got together with Casablanca, and they were going to Marvel. <coughs> excuse me. Marvel was going to do the comic book adventures of a new heroine called Disco Queen. <laughs> Casablanca would dress up some singer in a disco queen costume to cut records and uh, give performances, and then Casablanca's film division would produce a disco queen movie. And, of course, if you remember listening to a podcast from some time ago, you realize that uh, Marvel, never being one to let a bad idea stay stay dead like it should be, uh, decided to try the same idea with Nightcat. Yeah, I was just thinking that, yeah. (laughs) You know how well that went, but anyway. Okay, so anyway, Disco Queen, you know, eventually she went through a name change, Uh, uh, John Romita Jr. was told to, by Jim Shooter to draw her, and Romita Jr. said, well, you know, I don't know, I think it would be a, and the, well, the record label said they wanted her to, to talk in black funk. And, 
What? What? Yeah. What? What is black funk? Well, I, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, <laughs> there, uh, there, allow there, me to explain. Uh, two references. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don, go ahead. What, what is black funk? <laughs> well, it's funny you asked that, Brad. I hell if I know. <laughs> is it like Shaka Khan talk? I mean, Shaka Khan. Black funk of Desalur. something like you know, like like record companies would make up to sell to black people. Oh my goodness! Talk, oh, talking black. Don, you're implying that uh, corporate America, particularly the record companies, had a, uh, I don't know, had a relatively dim view of African Americans that they assumed that they, you know, let's let's do something that's at the lowest denomina- common denominator because we know they'll like it. I I, I can't believe corporate America would think that. Uh, it's, it's, yes. it's, it's a daring theory, but I think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, before before this goes off the rails, and you think that, and I'm popping more Viagra. Um, I've got two sources on this. Uh, first of all, Shooter dot com. Uh, okay, his blog. He talks about the origin of the Dazzler, and then in Marvel Comics, the Untold Story. There's a, uh, and I think that's where the Black Funk comment comes in because. John Romita Jr. then uh, has in mind like Grace Jones, a Grace Jones type character. Uh, well, well, eventually, <laughs> and I think one of the original ideas would be that Donna Summer would play the disco queen, but Donna oh. Summer was in a legal battle with Casablanca, so that wasn't going to happen. So anyway, so so th- this makes sense because, as you know, then Dazzler, you know, who was supposed to be a symbol of the '70s disco era, ultimately turned out to be a white girl. And uh, <laughs> oh, a what? Okay. So anyway, uh, so you know, anyway, so Dazzler, you know, Marvel, you know, gonna, was going to shield this character for all it's worth. So, Jr. Go to blackfunk.org. Evidently, Don has this on bookmark. What? What the hell is blackfunk.org? It's a sexual site, apparently. Oh no! no, no I'm going to click on there, and my 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 uh, my wife is going to catch me. Oh yeah, no kidding. The content on this site is sexual, political, and spiritual. I ain't getting anywhere near that. Uh, <laughs> I say I know nothing about sex because I've been married for a long time. I'm not spiritual because I haven't been to church. And as far as political, you don't want to hear my politics. Oh boy. Anyway, so anyway, so Dazzler Disco Queen uh, became Grace Jones looking Disco Queen became White Girl Dazzler with mutant light powers. She was forcibly plugged into several Marvel comics in order to you know in typical Marvel shilling. And of course, the records never happened, and the movie never happened. But she did have her um, 15 minutes of fame because Jim Shooter decided to use her as a test subject uh, to experiment with a, an all-direct market comic. Uh, and the um, – This was the first direct – was this the first direct market comic? Apparently so. If you go to Shooter's okay. blog, it was – that he – he was wanting to try to distribute an all direct, mar- you know, a comic just to the direct market and not the comic book stands. Yeah. And the retailers were up in arms because basically they were saying, like, well, wait a minute, you know, we, we, you know, we sell your stuff and now you're trying to cut us out of the action. And so he decided to go with a nothing character. He didn't, he decided not to try it with Spider Man, so he decided to go with the Dazzler because he figured nobody would care. Yeah. And yeah. he says it sold over 400,000 copies. Which. You know, wow, nice. know, is that good or bad? I mean, it, it's it'd be it, it's stupendous now. Back exact back in the late seventies, though, with, you know, I I don't know if that was good or bad or not. But anyway, he seemed to think it was good. But anyway, that was her fifteen minutes of fame, and you know, I think like, she became an X Man later or whatever. But she did, uh, she did. So, anyway. so the issue starts. Spider Man is swinging around on his web, minding his own business, when he sees a big ball of light chasing a girl wearing a big disco ball around her neck, and she's on roller skates. Okay, so she's trying to escape this big ball of light on, on roller skates. Uh, um, you know, which then again, it's like, well, hell, you know, why didn't we just have the rocket racer, you know, uh, be in this one? In fact, we could have had the rocket racer chasing her. Uh, but anyway, and uh, Spidey thinks it's the will of the wisp because it's a big light bulb. 
uh, and he figures he's going to come to save her. So he saves her, and he says, oh, hey, I know you. You're a famous disco singer. <laughs> <laughs> this is hilarious. Like, God, yeah, man. right. You know, like, like, there really is such a thing. Uh, well, no, I guess I you're, shouldn't say that. You're, you're like Donna Summer, only not. Yeah, yeah. You're like, <laughs> except you're, you're a white girl, and you don't have any count. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, she, she says, or he says, I see your posters everywhere or whatever. And, of course, since Spider-Man saved her life and yeah. she's totally stupid, she doesn't trust him. You know, <laughs> uh, so she figures he, he, must be cons- he must be conspiring with the big ball of light. So, <laughs> so she's thinking, I got something. And then she hears a guy walking by with a boombox, you know. And she, <laughs> and she says, that music coming over the radio. I can I can feel it flowing through my body, giving me strength. Oh God! Oh man! I don't know if I want to go there anymore. I mean, if this is anything like I'm thinking, for some reason I'm thinking of like a Rolling Stone song or something like uh, what was the song? I want to kiss you all over or something. Anyway, I'm getting anyway. So she raises her big disco ball necklace and zaps Spider Man. So, you know, I mean, the guy's had pumpkin bombs thrown at him and octopus arms or whatever. But, you know, I think this is the first time he's been attacked by a disco ball. Anyway, so. Even no Hustler didn't do that to him, did he? What's that? Did Hypno Hustler ever hit him with a disco ball? No, no, no. no. Hypno Hustler just tried to hypnotize him with the Mercy Killers and uh, and uh, tried to, uh, you know, take his uh, jump on him because uh, Hypno Hustler had, like, these big six-inch heels which changed into, like, spikes, you know. So he tried to gore him. You know, but Spider-Man defeated him by putting web balls in his ears. You remember that. We talked about it. Anyway. Yeah, I remember. Yes. yes. So the Dazzler gets away, and Spider-Man, and so Peter Parker goes back to his apartment, and Harry Osborn comes by, you know? And Harry says, uh, and Peter says, hey, Harry, and it flashes with him. Flash, Harry, what are you doing here? And uh, Flash says, well, Jesus, Peter, don't you remember? This issue is plugging the Dazzler, and since Marvel is a relentless ship, we're going to plug another Marvel product. (laughs) And Peter says, oh, what is that? Flash says, well, we're all going to go see Star Trek The Motion Picture tonight. And that just happened. what they're doing. They're going to see Star Trek The Motion Picture, which, if you remember, debuted in December 1979. And, of course, the reason Marvel is plugging that is because Marvel obtained the comic book rights, or the, the rights to do a comic book adaption of The Motion Picture, which was one of the most dreadful-looking comic adaptions in modern history. I've uh, never read this Marvel Star Trek. Is it bad? I hear it's bad. What, what, the motion picture? The, well, there there was a Star Trek Marvel comic series. Well, that's what I was leading into. It was bad. It was dreadful. Now, I don't, yeah. So we went from this dreadful-looking adaption of the motion picture to a travesty of a monthly comic series. Right. Uh, Marvel, for some reason, decided that, you know, Star Trek is, sh- is a short, punchy concept. Therefore, all the stories should be one-parters. Uh, <laughs> Okay, that made a lot of sense. Anyway, so it it, it promptly failed. Um, but the the, uh, the 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 you knew it, you knew it past the point of no return with issue number ten with a cover of Spock with a spear and it said Spock the Barbarian. <laughs> oh God! In this issue, yeah, I see it. You knew there was no going back from that one. Anyway, so. They, they, you know, they go, okay, well, well, you know, Marvel writes our paycheck, so we got to go promote this other Marvel project, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. <clears throat> anyway. Okay, well, the big ball of light finds the Dazzler. Uh, and it turns out that it's not the Will of the Wisp, it's Lightmaster, you know, another oh. groovy character with a groovy name. And if you remember Lightmaster, we last saw him in Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man number 20 when Spider-Man appeared to fry him. I think he, Spider-Man, I don't know, what Lightmaster was plugged into the grid, Spider-Man sent some kind of feedback back, and, you know, he fried him. But really, he didn't fry him, he just banished him to a dimension of light. You know, which makes me think now that, oh, great, now Doctor Strange is going to show up. But, you know, he does. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but Lightmaster, you know, he says, because, Dazzler, because you and I are so similar, uh, because you're a talentless white disco singer, and <laughs> I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a half-crazed ex-vice chancellor of a, of a college university. We're very similar. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, because Dazzler's powers of light 
actually plucked Lightmaster from the dimension of light. So Lightmaster is now going to capture her and use her as a battery to give him an inexhaustible power supply. Okay. You got that? You know, and all, and, and all he's got to do probably is go, you know, go buy a car battery or whatever. And, you know, he's in a jumper cable. And he's probably OK. But, you know, no, he's going to he's going to kidnap this girl. But anyway, of course, the battle happens right outside the movie theater and it blasts. It blasts. Wait a minute. Laugh out loud. Too bad you destroyed his questions. What? What's Don doing? Oh, wait oh a minute. Uh, it's for Zach. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, I've got to see. I, I'm paranoid now. I'm always looking at the window because ever since Brad sent me that message, Jr. Hurry it up! I've just been. <laughs> and I'm, you know, it's like, oh my god! You know, it's, it's going to be like I'm giving a speech at the Oscar and the music starts playing. You know, before I'm. No, 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 no. You're fine. But anyway, okay. Anyway, so the the battle between Dazzler and Lightmaster blasts a hole in the theater, you know, and Peter says, oh, thank God for this interruption, because this movie sucks. It's not, it's not nearly as much fun as the TV show was. What the hell was Roddenberry thinking? But anyway, so Lightmaster uses those great powers of his. He says, oh, Spider-Man, I'm going to kill you, Spider-Man. So he uses his great powers to create a giant light set of symbols and tries to squash Spider-Man. Well, that doesn't work, so then he creates a giant light fly swatter and tries to club Spider-Man. So he escapes with the, he escapes with the Dazzler, but since the Dazzler used to work at Empire State University, Spider-Man figures, well, hell, that's where he's going to go. And sure enough, that's where he went. Lightmaster's down in the basement of Empire State with all, he's got Dazzler strapped down to a table or whatever, and he's going to zap her and zap some energy into himself, but you know this is science, this is quasi science fiction. So when Lightmaster flips the switch, everything blows up. You know we don't know how to die, but we just know that we flip a switch and there's all these massive uh, controls. Something blows up. So right. everything blows up. Lightmaster disappears, and Spider-Man thinks he has saved us. But right. what's that? Some heavy breathing. No, no. Oh, go ahead, Jer. That's fine. Okay, okay. I was about to say. I mean, someone was really getting. Turned on by the Dazzler, I think. Uh, oogie, 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 yeah. wasn't even half naked like she, like uh, uh, Red Sonia was in our previous Marvel team-up that we talked about. But anyway. Okay, so actually, Dazzler attacks Spider-Man because she's actually controlled by the Lightmaster. He's in the dimension of light, but he's controlling her. Okay, well, anyway, Spider-Man, he's, he said, oh, man, I'm really wore out. I've got to get away from her and go sleep. So he goes, he gets away, he does a few things. Then he tracks the Dazzler down again. And he says, you know what, I'm going to try to romance this girl, so I'm going to use my best romantic tricks and try to win her over. So what he does, he ties her up, uh, he takes her back to Lightmaster's lab, he slaps her across the face, he webs Whoa. her down to a table, and then he sends thousands of volts of electricity through her. And well, of course, somehow this sends Lightmaster back to where he belongs. And Man. obviously, Dazzler, Dazzler recognizes that this was all foreplay on, the, on Spider-Man's part. And she, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. She says, I owe it all to you. How can I ever repay you? And Spider-Man says, don't worry, beautiful. I have a strong hunch we'll figure out something. Yeah. Which, which, makes, which makes me wonder where his strong hunch is located. Uh, next to his web shooter, yes. You know, now, first of all, I know, I mean, first of all, I, you know, I, I, when I read this 30 years ago, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And, and I know that this was Spider-Man's typical lightheartedness. And I know that Marv Wolfman never, you know, he didn't mean anything. I mean, obviously not. You know, quick story, whatever. Spider-Man is trying to be funny. But. It is. I mean, literally, in the space of two pages, Spider-Man webs her up, webs her down, slaps her across the face, shocks her, and then she comes to, but she's clearly, you know, she's clearly out of it, and she's staggering around, and she's not with it, and then he starts flirting with her. And wow. it's, like, oh, it's, like, it's like, well, you can thank me by sleeping with me. <laughs> it, My God. My it just, God. Look, it just, it's funny. I mean, it's funny. What One of those... That? I mean, what you what you what you like to say, Jr. This is a, a harmless story because you paid forty cents for it yeah. in nineteen eighty. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it was forty cents. Holy cow! Forty. Like, yeah, last month, last, they were still only thirty five, and now they're forty. Yeah, like, forty. They went up. Now I really won't be able to buy that Superior Foes of Spider Man if it's going, they're going to charge forty cents. <laughs> <laughs> was um that That's was the Spider Man number two hundred three. All right, we've got two more. We've got Marvel Team Up number 92, 
where Spider-Man teams up with Hawkeye. It's the first appearance of, oh my gosh, Mr. Fear number four, written by Stephen Grant, who did a great Punisher miniseries in the 80s. Oh, this is sad. Carmine Infantino did the art. Oh, really? He just passed away. He just passed yeah, away. As, as of this recording day yesterday. Yeah. Oh, really? He did? Yeah, at, yeah, at age 87. Oh, wow. Man, that, he's a, he was a legend. I mean, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, he was, he was one of the, the giants of the industry, particularly back in the, uh, yeah. 70s and stuff. Um, he did Star Wars comics too. I didn't know he did Spider-Man. That's cool. You know, it's kind of funny because it just reminds me they uh, they kind of paid a little homage to him. I don't know if you remember the old Flash TV show, um, mm-hmm. yeah. but um, there was a um, there was a shot. I forget exactly, but there was a shot. And it was like the Infantino Hotel. You know, they kind of did a little shout out to him. Oh, so, that's nice. But, that's uh, nice. Anyway, Tell that's, about that's this. sad. Yeah, okay. Hawkeye. Hawkeye, ninety-two. Well, of course, uh, well, you said Mister Fear number four, which is pretty scary in itself because that implies there were three other Mister Fears. No doubt. And not only that, but it implies that the other, the three succeeding Mister Fears were so lame that they couldn't think up a better name than Mister Fear. Um, <laughs> anyway, so you know that where you got it, where, where you got an issue here where the cover is Spider-Man and Hawkeye cringing in a corner like a bunch of pussy, couple of pussies. You know you're going to have a classic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and sure enough, it's a classic. Spider-Man again in a, in a in a theme here. Spider-Man swinging by, minding his own business. Here's an explosion, and he sees an armored car that's blown apart, and he says, "Oh boy, you know something bad happened here." He says, "And I see some." dude running away <laughs> that must be the guy who did it so i'm going to run after him and uh it turns out to be hawkeye and spider-man says hey hawkeye remember that last great team up you and i had where we fought a bunch of bald androids and we fought a guy called the quasi dimensional organ and you shot that arrow and it spun all around the room and shorted out all the androids and <laughs> those were good times anyway but hawkeye then is like right Hawkeye goes, oh, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, oh, you know. And it's like Spider-Man says, what? I say, what, are you drunk or something or on acid? What, what's going on with you? So anyway, Sp- you know, as Hawkeye is obviously scared to death. So Spider-Man says, ah, you know, man up, you puss. And he slugs him. And uh, <laughs> he does, he slugs What's that? Who wrote this again? Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant, yeah. Oh, he slugs him. So anyway, so so Hawkeye collapses, and Spider-Man carries him away or whatever. And then Hawkeye says, wakes up and says, holy cow, you know, oh, hey, Spider-Man, what are you doing there? Uh, oh, it's, okay, well, I know we got a good story here. So anyway, so Hawkeye tells the story. Yeah, I was, I have a, because the, the government kicked me out of the Avengers, I had to take a real job. So I took a job as a security contractor, and I was riding shotgun in this armored car, and it blew up. And it's like, holy cow, you know, I said, who's blowing up this armored car that I'm riding shotgun in? And then, oh, this guy with the ugliest mask I ever saw comes out, you know? And as I went to confront him, I, I, then I got so scared, I shit my pants and ran away. Uh, and then Spider-Man says, well, that sounds like Daredevil's old enemy, Mr. Fear. And Hawkeye yeah. says, "Oh man, I ran I ran away with a guy with a stupid name like that." Okay, <laughs> but anyway, so then we we get to Mister Fear, <clears throat> and you know this is a really bad guy. He's chuckling about his next scheme, and he's going to build a nuclear bomb. But what really makes him fearsome is that he takes a minute to thank his uncle Larry. Um, <laughs> I owe it all. No, no, no. I owe it all to you, Uncle Larry. You despised me, but your money and your Mr. Fear costume still fell into my hands after you died. Jesus Christ. It's like... Jesus Christ. I don't expect anything... Um, you know, from like my relatives when I die, but I will be oh, yeah. seriously pissed if all they leave me is a Mister Fear costume. But anyway, <laughs> um, how, how jacked up is that? <laughs> anyway, so he's talking about his evil scheme. Oh, uh, and then Hawk because Hawkeye, you know, uh, Hawkeye's got all these arrows. Well, he actually when he before he ran away, shitless, scared shitless, Mister Fear, he <laughs> shot him with a tracer arrow. Okay, so Spider Man and Hawkeye. Uh, follow Hawkeye's tracer arrow, and they they uh, run into Mister Fear, and well, Mister Fear puts on his mask, and he says, "And now you must cringe before the power of Mister Fear, cringe, Spider Man." Uh, and Spider Man's first reaction is, "You've got to be kidding!" Uh, and then he's. But then Spider-Man gets afraid. And it's like, oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And, you know, and then Mr. Fear slugs him. Uh, and then, uh, let's see what happens here. Oh, yes, then Hawkeye bursts in and uh, starts beating people up. 
And then Mr. Fear tries to gas him with his fear gas. Uh, but Hawkeye held his breath. <laughs> you know, Mr. Fear, I'm smarter than you. I held my breath. Um, and then Mr. Fear says, you dumbass. Don't you know that you don't have to breathe it? It can be absorbed through the pores of your skin as well. You know, <laughs> and so Hawkeye goes, oh, no, I'm starting to feel scared again. Uh, so Hawkeye and Spider-Man now are both, you know, scared like a couple of little girls. And Mr. Fear throws Hawkeye out a window. You know, and spider <laughs> And Spider-Man thinks Hawkeye's dead, and then he gets mad. He's like, you killed him. And then Spider-Man gets mad, and because Spider-Man's mad, he overcomes Dr. Fear's fear gas. And Hawkeye, you know, you think Hawkeye's going to fall to his death, but no, because Hawkeye pulls out a rock, uh, no, a flare arrow that has a little rocket in it. <laughs> and he uses his flare arrow with a little rocket in it to shoot him back up to the oh. apartment where Mr. Fear and Spider-Man are. And wow. uh, between between the two of them, they uh, they uh, capture Mr. Fear. Yeah. And as they shake hands, uh, departing from their latest, uh, splitting apart after their latest adventure, uh, Hawkeye says, you know, uh, Spider-Man says, well, you know, as scared as I was when I thought Mr. Fear killed you, I snapped out of it. And Hawkeye said, I know what you mean. I just, when I was falling, I just didn't have time to think about being afraid. And Hawkeye goes, but that's the big hole in Mr. Fear's plan. There are other emotions and better ones that are stronger than fear. Spider-Man goes, you know. amen, Avenger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hawkeye delivers this line worse than Shatner would have. I mean, it almost sounds like <laughs> something Shatner would have said in the original Star Trek. You know, oh, there are emotions wow. better than fear. And it's like, yeah, okay. Hawkeye then roll credits. That's, roll credits. That's uh, the da, last. Da, 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 da. Gosh, just another typical issue of Superior Spider-Man team-up. All right, let's do uh, Spec Spidey 41. This one is... Uh, called The Meteor Madness, written by Tom DeFalco, Jim Mooney on art and ink. And it has the Meteor Man, otherwise known as the Looter, a Ditko villain, right? Uh, yes. Yes, the Ditko yep. villain. Yes, indeed. And he wasn't wearing green, strangely enough. Exactly. <laughs> and and it has a Giant Man 2, <laughs> who died in Civil War, right? Well, yes. Yes, Giant yeah. Man 2 and uh Spider-Man which which is actually uh interesting because Spider-Man um doesn't qu- Spider-Man calls him something else uh early on uh and uh which you could figure would only happen in the 70s. But anyway, we'll get to that later so. Okay. Tell me about this one. This one. All right. All right. Anyway, the issue starts off uh Spider-Man has an overdue term paper. And uh, he says, oh, man, i got to get this into the professor because if I blow this test, then I – because Spider-Man is a graduate assist, uh, teacher here at uh, ESU at this time. And uh, so anyway, he says, I'll lose my grad job if I, uh, if I don't turn this in. So he just, like, drops it on a little web line, you know, and drops it to the professor and then splits. And the professor picks it up and says, ooh, a sticky paper. Young Parker must be a gum chewer. How revolting. <laughs> And I'm thinking, man, how old you are, are, are you? I was about to say, man, you're such a date because if a, if a college-age kid turned in a stick of paper, I wouldn't have suspected that it was gum. You know what I mean? Good, I mean it's a good thing Jim Cameron wasn't writing this because you know what Jim Cameron would have made an allusion to. Uh, yeah. if, you read his, if you read his original um, uh, scriptment for Spider-Man movie, uh, that uh, he uh, the the web shooters were an allegory for something else. But anyway, okay. So Spider-Man sees a, uh, a campus security car zip by, and uh, he says, "Oh boy, those rent-a-cops! Or what are those rent-a-cops up to now?" And he actually does call them rent-a-cops. So in other words, that means that campus security doesn't have any better reputation back then than it does now. <laughs> <laughs> um. But anyway, it turns out that what's happened is the, 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 um, the campus security um, has uh, arrived at the ESU Coliseum, <clears throat> and there's a big hole in the wall, you know, because they're having a micro – anyway, there's a microwave uh, exhibition going on, and the Meteor Man is there, and the Meteor Man is there because he wants to pop some corn. And he needs a new microwave, which is why he's at the microwave convention. But anyway, so Spider-Man attacks the Meteor Man. They get in a big fight. And at the same time, uh, there's a, um, uh, in the, I guess, in another area of the Coliseum, uh, Dr. William Foster is being introduced to a crowd. 
Dr. Foster, of course, is the famed biochemist from Stark International, who will speak on the real and imagined dangers of nuclear energy. And, of course, we know who Dr. Foster is, okay, because just as someone runs in and announces that Spider-Man is in the, the Coliseum, Dr. Foster runs away so he can change to Giant Man 2. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> not two, just Giant Man, but anyway, okay. so so Spider-Man, anyway, so Giant Man runs into um, Meteor Man and Spider-Man while they're fighting, and uh, the thing is, uh, he stuns Spider-Man, and Giant Man doesn't realize that Meteor Man does have superpowers, because Meteor Man was standing in front of a meteor that passed gas. Uh, and I mean, if you remember, a meteor squirted gas on him and gave him superpowers, and he became the Meteor Man. You know, which uh, you know, I'd call myself the Meteor Man too if my real name was Norton G. Fester. But anyway, so anyway, Norton G. Fester, Meteor Man, gets away um, because he blows up his helium balloon and he floats away. And um, the 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 cops can't the cops don't shoot him down because they're too busy laughing at his lurid, his stupid escape device. But it does work. He gets away on his his helium balloon. Anyway, and here we go. And this, I am not making this up. This, this. Oh, this ought to be good. Panel up. Giant Man says, "My body feels like a tackling dummy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. How are you?" Spider Man goes, "Better, thanks." You're Black Giant Man, right? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> not, not making it up. I think that if you guys have gotten essential handy or whatever, go look it up. You're Black Giant Man, right? Man. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Giant oh. goes, actually, I was Black Goliath, but I thought that sounded too much like a vibrator or a prophylactic, so I changed it to Giant Man. Uh, oh, oh, man. That's actual dialogue? Uh, no. Except oh. for the prophylactic and the vibrator. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't tell. I can't tell when it's that bad. You don't know what's real. Uh, but no, he did say, actually, I was Black Goliath. But I changed it to Giant Man. But he should have said, "You're White Spider Man, right?" I <laughs> <laughs> can't tell. Yeah. Oh, can't tell. remember Spider Man's wearing a mask. Spider Man is right. the hero who could be you. Remember? Uh, I know. So you know, I can just imagine now if we're all going to uh, like, for example, if if Don goes to a, con- a, a convention now, you know, like, and uh, he says, "Oh, he introduces himself to somebody and says, i 'I'm in the Spider Man podcast.' Oh, you're the Black Podcaster, right? Uh, uh, so anyway, yeah. Uh, How did you know? It's the nineteen. 19- <laughs> yeah, Don could be anybody. <laughs> anyway, you're Black Giant. Hey, uh, uh, that was funny. Anyway, I'm, so I'm going by Black Elias next time. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Uh, That's fun. It's 1980s, a different time, 33 years ago, right? I know. It, 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 it's yeah, it is Gosh. funny. But, no, which makes real, which makes me realize how did they how did how is the Black Panther then still the Black Panther unless it's because his costume is black as well? I, I wonder. Um, but uh, anyway, okay. So anyway, Giant Man and Spider Man got to figure out uh, what Norton G. Fester is up to, and um, for however some reason for whatever reason. Uh, he must have dropped some plans or something because Giant Man figures out what he's up to. Uh, Meteor Man goes to his apartment in Hell's Kitchen, uh, and for some reason there he doesn't run into Daredevil. But, you know, he talks about his diabolical scheme or whatever and how he's going to use these microwaves to augment his power. Spider-Man runs in on him, and and Meteor Man is using uh, the microwaves to make himself giant. So... I guess then he would be the white giant man then, because then the black giant man comes in, and they start fighting. But then uh, Meteor Man keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and he you know starts slapping everybody around. And Spider Man, uh, you know, uh, sees that uh, Meteor Man is now about twenty or so feet, twenty or thirty feet tall. He's raving about how he's a god and he's power incarnate, doing saying all sorts of crazy things. And then he keeps, uh, let's see, what does he do here? Uh, oh, yeah, um, he, Giant Man and Spider-Man start falling, and uh, they save each other, and then the Meteor Man keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and he, he, then he blows up. <laughs> Whoops. And that's literally what happened. He, Whoops. He gets Wait, he dies? He blows up. Um, the, um, Giant Man says he may have been a madman, but no one deserves to die before his time. Spider-Man says, come on, GM, let's call it a night. 
And next mm. issue is the Frightful Four. Well, but I thought, I thought the, the looters survived until the 90s. Well, of course he did. Nobody ever dies. Yeah, they get better. They get better. You know, and, and see, the whole the whole undercurrent is that Ed Foster at this time is actually says he's dying of cancer. And there's a scene he says, I really don't want to die now. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's right, because you'd rather die by getting a big-ass hole blown in you by the clone of Thor. So, <laughs> Clore. You know, so, anyway, there we go. There's the... My goodness, good month. It doesn't sound like a very good month, JR. Eh, it could have been worse. I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. It's a dumb month, but you know, it, it's it, a very dumb month. Yeah, it is, but it's typical seventies. You know, yeah. I mean, 70s, you know, 80s, we have yeah. we have Marvel promoting a, we have Marvel Marvel and its promoting of a a seventies fad hero. Uh, you know, we've got another stupid issue of Marvel team up, and we have some un, and we have some unintentioned racism in uh, a Spider Man comic. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty par for the course for the seventies. That's everything you could want. <laughs> All right, let's tackle the message board questions, and we have Josh back to uh, tackle these with us. So welcome back, Josh. We won't get into it, but you've had a hell of a night. Oh, yes, yes. It was crazy town, banana pants. It's accessing Bertone memories. Yes, see that coming. Image of hell. All right, Abul Aziz from uh, Mayo C's Crazy Banana Taxi. Mousies. Oh, Mousies. M- Ma- Mayo. <laughs> well done, Brad. <laughs> Brett. The Mayo Clinic. That's uh, no Mayo C's. The Mayo okay. C's. Yeah. Who, who reads for a living, Brad Douglas? Who reads oh, for yeah. a living? We all do. Hey, Brad, Brad Douglas didn't just fall off the coconut wagon. Coconut. <laughs> <laughs> the coconut wagon. Okay, anyway. Uh, first question to the group. You think the 1960s cartoon influenced the idea of Mayor Jameson. Everything in town, every decision needed to go by him. He needed to know of and approve or disapprove each decision. What do you guys think of that? Um, they yeah, it's not right that when he became the mayor, or was that Wade? That was Slot. Remember, that Slot, was the... Slot the mayor? Yeah, that was that was the issue with the Fantastic Four with the David Eaglesham doing the artwork, and they like did like the uh, like time skip. Okay. The one that doesn't make sense unless you read Dan Slott's Twitter. Exactly. Every other Dan issue. No, but that one he really had to explain the logic of the time travel because it didn't make sense the way it was written in the comic. So there was like an editorial problem, and they and they gave you like an alternate panel in a letters page a few months later. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone on the panel is v- very well versed in the '60s cartoon. Are are we? I would say well. Uh, that's Josh Keaton. I've seen some. Honestly, though, if it, if it's slot because he put that like you know banana commercial joke in the comics, it's it's very well possible. Yeah. Also, question number two: What if Jameson became the Godfather of Peter Puss, like Jameson in the armored Spidey world in the 1990s cartoon? Now you guys are talking. Uh, you guys can talk '90s cartoons. Oh yes. Then Peter oh, yes. would repeat everything. Would, would repeat everything that's told to him, just like he did in that episode. Like Jameson's my godfather. The stop <laughs> sign is red. <laughs> my the king is my lawyer. The king, right? <laughs> uh, each of you list your top five favorite Marvel heroes, other than Spider-Man and Brad. You can't say the Hulk. Uh, okay, fine. <sighs> other than Spider-Man. Let's just all name one, please. Yeah, I, I, we'll be here forever. Daredevil. Daredevil. Deadpool. Cap- Captain America. Hulk. Oh, shit. No. Uh, <laughs> the Mighty Thor. I guess Wolverine. I like Wolverine a lot. Punisher. Uh, each- Punisher, yep. Uh, number four question. What if Peter Parker's origin made him another hero, not Spider-influenced? Then Peter wasn't the everyday we all love and followed him for years. It'd be a totally different hero. We'd call him Cardiac. Or <laughs> the incredible, uh, we would call him either Prodigy, Prodigy or Dust or Ricochet or Hornet. He'd be one of those guys. Go. Wasn't his uh, original idea to be Coffee Man or something like in uh, the Jenkins run? That was, that was a Green that, Goblin. That was the Green Goblin. Oh, yeah. Cut up. Remember that. Latte of Doom. Ever second guessed having Spider-Man as one of your favorite superheroes? Chris answered this question. Time for the rest. I don't. Um, Chris, answer the question. I answered it on the message board. I didn't answer it on the podcast. 
But um, and I don't even remember what my answer on the message board was. No, I, I was I so was. tired. It was. It was. Do, uh, do you ever regret? Do you ever second guess? It's like basically, I, I, I saw it. and I responded to it because, like he said, that you know, do you ever like regret having? Do you ever change your mind on having your Spider Spider Man being one of your favorite heroes? And Chris said, whenever he reads Dan Slott, yes. But when he reads better writers, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, um, that sounds about right. And I, I, oh, I have the same mindset. Spider Man's still always my favorite. I've never second guessed what I feel on that. I mean, that's kind of odd. Anybody? Um, when I read, when I read, one more day and one moment in time. Yeah. Whenever Dan Slott writes Spider Man as, as a, you know, this mewing, like you know, cheater, like, Ugh, like I can't stand it. So uh, whenever I I receive that, that makes me kind of like put it down, walk away. Uh, Horn uh, Hornack from Bedford, uh, Canada. Brad, long-time reader, first-time questioner. Question for everyone, but mainly Brad. I googled Spider-Man and was surprised to discover that the Crawl Space site doesn't appear until page 13 of the results as of March 30th. I'm in Canada, so I use Google.ca, so maybe the results are different using Google.com in the States. Is there anything we the listeners can do to make the site move the site up in the search results? I'm thinking of what... Dan Savage did when he created the Spreading Santorum website after Senator Rick Santorum's comments equating homosexuality with bestiality. <laughs> Good lord, what the hell? Basically, we he's asking, is there any way we can get a uh, cross base to the number one? You know, if we put in Spider Man, it's on the first page. <laughs> well, let's let's do a Google search right now because I've, I've got it up right now. I've seen I mean, it on the front page. I, I mean, that Google now, like, especially if you have a Gmail account, your Google, like, I think that your results are personalized. I'm not sure. Is the Wikipedia page. The second thing that comes up is the IMDb page and AmazingSpiderMan.com, which is the movie site. Let's see how... I think it depends, it depends on how many hits or, you know, people visiting the site. And I don't, okay, I don't think we're on Google's radar because there's just not enough porn on the website that they know about. So. One second. One second. Okay, so yeah, I think uh, I think that everyone's Google results are different, though. One that second. like one person googling won't get the same results as the other. One second. One second. Three okay. seconds. Four seconds. Got it. Got it. All right, everybody's hearing me. Um, it's on the first page when I I search for it in in the United States. I don't know if the rest of you search for it on the. It's, oh. it's the very thing on the front page of Google is what I see. Hang on. So anyway. Uh, I, I think my traffic is doing fine. Uh, I, the, if you want to help out, you can go visit it every day. I mean, I, I, my traffic is more than I've ever had as of late, uh, with the exception of when a movie hits. So uh, uh, I have a quick story. This used to be a big deal where it was, uh, but this, this was in the early days of the, of the Internet. But I remember... Spidey Dude Spider-Man page being in the top ten for Spider-Man, as I remember Crawl Space being in the top ten. This is before Wikipedia and the IMDb, and right before, I mean, this is probably like 99, 2000 era, Brad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it just, so the search engines have changed so much, uh, with Spider-Man at least, have changed so dramatically because there's been so much more content on the internet now that, yeah, I mean, just, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do what you can to get it get it up and, and just keep visiting the site through Google. Yeah, I mean, it, it also, I think daily it changes, too, so... Um, oh, yeah. I don't think it's a problem, is what I'm getting to. I don't think it's a problem of I'm not getting enough people coming to the site. I think we're doing quite well, but I appreciate the uh, ask for assistance. But I think we're doing okay, so thank you for posting for the first time. Uh, Big Al from Edgeware. This one is aimed at Don. Congratulations to you and Stella Don. on your upcoming marriage. I wish you both the best and would like to ask if you have anything Spider-Man related planned for the wedding. Well, Don, this guy didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, in the honeymoon suite, it's, there's a bunch of web hammocks there. So uh, yeah. there you go. Uh, Big Al. Hope, hope you're not mad that I fooled you. Hey, Big Al, April Fool's. There you go. Hey. You got trolled. April Fool's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now we're going to feel bad. He has another question. It's my birthday this month, and it got me wondering if you've ever been given a date for Spider-Man's, or Peter Parker's birthday. If not, what date should his birthday be? JR. Super has uh, February 29th. That makes him ageless. I think that's kind of unique. JR, what should Spider-Man's birthday be? <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought about it. Uh, Any question? I don't know. April first is always a good one for a guy who's always down on his luck. 
Well, uh, yeah, 20, uh, the 29th so. is actually Bailey's birthday, by the way. FYI. Yeah. Yeah. Super too, which is nice. Absolutely. Um, I don't, I don't know. What's what's responsibility? The Either, about July. Everyone knows that responsibility day is July fifth. December twenty fifth. That's his birthday. He was born. Yeah. All right. We we don't have a good answer for that. I don't know. Probably the logical thing to do. I mean, it, whenever Amazing Fantasy fifteen was released, you know, August. 1962. Yeah. I mean, that would, you know, if you wanted to look for a month or whatever, that would probably be the logical one. All right. Question I'm all, to everyone, I'm embarking on a Spider-Man reading project and would like your guys' advice. I want to know if I should read complete story arcs by themselves or if I should read every story in their proper place in continuity, e.g. the Life Threat arc, granted from Amazing oh. 388, but various issues of web and no adjective happen in between. Should I read Life Theft by itself or read those other issues in between? Josh, you're you gonna, hit that one. Yeah, you're, you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself if you try and do it in chronological order because it's there's so much stuff that Marvel releases, and like you can't even tell what the chronology is. Like... Would, like you're going to read half of Amazing Fantasy 15, then do that five-issue miniseries where like TV star Peter Parker gets a hooker girlfriend from a few years ago, and then you have the rest of Amazing Fantasy 15. Then those other, I mean, you you got like ten books to read before you even get to Amazing Spider-Man issue one, and then Marvel releases like new untold stories in their annuals and stuff. So then you know you got to go back and figure out where they go. It's it just do it in the order they came out. It's it's fun to do, like, the Untold Tales stuff between the amazing issues, but, you know, it's, there's stuff like web spinners where it's impossible to place it and you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> he, might be, he might be asking, actually, if you, he should read these things in the publishing order or if he should read, you know, how during the Clone Saga you'd have a story arc that would run in one title and then at the same time another story arc's running in another title. So should you read, you know, in the publishing order of the individual issues like you would if you were buying them off the stand, or should you just read all of Life Theft and then all of whatever was going on in the other book at the same time after that? I I haven't read it since it was published in that, that order, so I don't know. You just shouldn't. Like, that's my advice. <laughs> I, I, I think it would if it if it makes sense read the story by the same writer until you get to the nineties. <laughs> then you got to read the Clone Saga and and the four parts that it was published. Right, but, and, uh, and yeah. but if you're reading it via trade, I mean that they they actually yeah. do collect it that way. So it's right. not like month by month by month. But I think you could read Amazing up until the nineties, <laughs> pretty much straight. I mean, with a few exceptions, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. To everyone, last month's podcast, you guys said Peter Parker isn't a loser and is not unlucky. Why do you think so many fans and creators, including positive contributors to the mythos like Friends and Wolfman, believe Spider-Man is fundamentally defined by being a hard luck superhero? Jr. I think that's got your name on it. It does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's right well, there in the bottom corner. It's, it's saying Jr. to me. Oh my. Um, well. Uh, I'm trying to remember the uh, well exactly what we would have said in the last podcast, but uh, I, I don't. What we said ten minutes ago. I yeah, really. It was, um, I, it, was uh, it was like he's not a loser. His his problems come from him being Spider Man affecting his personal life. That's what I said. Yeah. The well, the thing is, there's there's a difference between somebody being hard luck uh, and a loser, and I don't know that we necessarily wouldn't say he was he what. I don't know that we would necessarily have said he he wasn't unlucky because he is very unlucky. But you know, we would have definitely said he wasn't a loser. And there is, I, I will, I will say there it, there are a lot of writers and creators who just seem to think that the key to his popularity is just to heap all kinds of misery on him. You know. Yeah. And they go overboard. There's a there's a fine line between make, having somebody have bad luck or hard luck or getting knocked around by life and and just having you know stupid things happen to them or <coughs> or yeah. having act like a total weenie, you know, which a lot of writers seem to do these days. They just they they, yeah. they you know instead of instead of um, you know, making him, you know, he's, he, Spider-Man is always a smart ass, but he's also a, a, re a really intelligent s smart ass. And it seems that sometimes writers forget the intelligent part. 
Yeah. I don't know what possesses them sometimes. They've, they've got, it's the same type of mentality that says he shouldn't be married. He should never have a kid. He, he should be 15 forever. Uh, he should be, he should get beat up by, you know, by, by villains with no powers or, you know, it, it routinely have his clock handed to him. I don't know, but I, I really don't know why. Uh, some people have that writers have the idea that the key to his popularity is that he acts like a complete di- uh, douchebag. I don't get it. I always like what I always, <laughs> I always like what Kevin called him. He's like Peter's acting like a creepy, creepy stupid creepy loser. loser. Stupid creepy loser. I'll never forget his line on that. That was always funny. Uh, let's see, Zach. Who was the better love interest for Ben Riley, Janine or Jessica? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think for dramatic purposes, probably Jessica, but I think in terms of fitting Ben Riley, I think Janine always was, was the one. What's Jessica Carradine doing these days? I want her back. We, 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 I think we talked about this like this last three months straight. I think we really I do. I mean, uh, I think it, the, and the one logical place she, she has to appear to me is Scarlet Spider. I agree. Abs- I mean, perfect. I mean, that, that yep. you have her make an appearance in Houston. Yep, and and go from there, and shenanigans go from there. I mean, I, that, that would be logical for me. I agree. Jr. In one of your articles, you wrote how DeFalco didn't write the Hobgoblin as well as Stern did. Do you regard his handling of the character in Spider Girl as better or worse than during the eighties? Additionally, do you think that Kingsley's Hobgoblin is better as Spider Man or Spider Girl's villain? Now, see, this question does have my name on it because I see it right here, Jr. <laughs> in one of your articles. Um, <laughs> The next one does too. It says "smartass." <laughs> <laughs> no, that one says "giggling mental patient." On average, how long? Oh, anyway, insult, insult, Missouri. We haven't done it yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, uh, Big Al. I don't remember exactly in what context I wrote that DeFalco didn't write it as well as Stern. So I, I mean, you actually probably have read it more recently than I have. My guess is I probably would have said that because. Um, DeFalco didn't know who he was, and DeFalco had an idea, but it wasn't the same idea as Stern. So I think that you know Stern always had an idea, knew who the Hobgoblin was. DeFalco didn't, so I think that may have explained some of DeFalco's kind of, you know, not sure where to go with the character. And, and plus, it was just that time. I mean, they just were dragging it out. It was they were just dragging it out, and it, it was really getting irritating. But as far as how he handled it in Spider Girl, I thought he did great. I thought he really nailed Kingsley in, in Spider-Girl, and uh, whether he works better, I, I liked him as a Spider-Girl villain, to be honest, because... Uh, he was a second generation, right? Well, he was, yeah, in a way, he was a second, he was he had fought the original Spider-Man, but he had been out of commission for a long time. The, the original Green Goblin was back, which sort of made Roddy not entirely redundant, but, but, but difficult to make relevant, and I felt he worked perfectly in spider Girl, I really did. Um, I did too. So, I was just thinking the other day how much I missed the monthly uh, check of Spider Girl. You know how long, Zach? How long has it been since the mini came out? Two years? Three years? Uh, I think it was the middle of 2011. Yeah, I just—it's kind of like if Spider Man ended. Um, you miss checking in on Peter Parker. Well, granted, I guess we can't now. He's Spock. <laughs> I'm just saying, I just missed the monthly visit or visit with Mayday Parker. Uh, Brad, on average, how long after a recording session does it take to get an episode of the podcast out? Uh, the recording sessions take about four plus hours generally. Like, we started this at 8 p.m. on a Friday. It's now 11.50 p.m. on a Friday. And ideally, I like four hours of content, if plus I can get four hours, four episodes out a month. Uh, once it it uh, is recorded, sometimes I get them out the day of, which isn't always happening, but occasionally it might. It won't today, since we're not going to get done till after midnight. But uh, I, generally, I space it out during the month. Like, uh, I, I try to work it in. Like after my family goes to bed, after I get off of work, etc. After they go to bed, I try to mess with that. It uh, takes about an hour plus to edit one. It also takes a little bit of time to research. Um, it takes a little bit of time to do the Photoshop work for the image art. 
and then writing a post on the front page and then messing with the XML files to send it up to iTunes. It also takes a little bit of time to find that damn opening song. Of a, oh, yeah. I've had 200 plus Spider-Man songs, and it takes a little bit of time to search for something new. So I, it, it's several hours, and and I'm usually up right to the last day of the month to get all four or five. This month is going to be five uh, to get them. So out. you better appreciate it, Big Al, because he does all this <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> but I don't have a show without you guys. So. These guys are essential to having a quality show, so props to you guys. Except for me. Just kidding. No, no, you're part of it, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, we got Norman Osborn in this Iron Man movie with a Avatar, JR. Iron Patriot. Sure we do. Uh, yeah, from China. To Don, first of all, congrats. The wedding was very well organized. Now my question. I've been reading Jenkins Spidey, and I have to ask, what are your favorite stories by him and why? Okay. Um, I, before, I, 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 did, I actually did this before the we started recording. We read some of those trades. And um, it's really hard because Paul Jenkins on Spider-Man is really good. Um, I love the fusion story, that 300 story. Uh, that I think it's a three-parter. That one's really excellent. I love um, Revenge, is it, oh no, Return, uh, Death of the Family, that Green Goblin storyline he did. Yep. I love that uh, that one shot with that little boy Lafrons and like you know he think he's a Spider-Man's kid psychic and the guy uh, unmasked at the end he turns out to be black just like him. Mm-hmm. I love um, the uh, storyline with like like it's like a two-part storyline. It's actually not that good, but I like the intro where Peter's like holding the costume and kind of like you know crying because uh, Flash has just been paralyzed. He's kind of like talking to God. I love the the uh, issue 27 of Spectacular Volume Two where. He's like kind of talking to uh, Uncle Ben like during the snowstorm or whatever, making snowmen and saying, you know, come on, Peter, what's really bothering you? He's talking about Mary Jane and Gwen and says, you know, the real reason you do experiments for your parents and, you know, there's a whole thing where he was a kid and a little play. Uh, it's hard for me to choose a favorite, but the reason why I like it so much is I think that Paul Jenkins, I know not every story w- was a, you know, a best of, but when he was at his game, he's easily one of the most best and underrated Spider-Man writers of all time. And I really wish that a lot more people would recognize that's sort of like how I like Spider-Man to be written. Because he, he feels like the same character that started out in AS, uh, Mace Fantasy 15. Because the kind of person who has the weight of the world on his shoulders, but still shoulders on and has a sense of humor. So uh, I think that Paul Jenkins is like one of the best Spider-Man writers of all time. I would concur. And a very, very smart and nice guy if you meet him in person. I met him last year at uh, Chicago. Yeah, that, was, that was a great interview. Thanks. I still have the video to edit. I still need to edit that. My God. Uh, to Brad, what's your favorite of the Muppet movies? All right. Mine is either the original or the latest. My favorite, too, uh, the original Muppet movie from 1979. I remember going to the theater at least four or five times as a kid with my mom to see that movie. I loved the first one, Rainbow Connection, etc. My second favorite is Muppets Take Manhattan. I, I I love that movie. I've watched that a lot. Uh, so I love the Muppet ba- That what? Never mind. <laughs> no, the Muppet Babies were in there, and they had a Broadway show, and Kermit got amnesia. <laughs> and they, yeah, I love that one. Uh, to Chris, do you have a favorite Spider-Man story that doesn't feel like a traditional one? An example would be Astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine Limited series. That was a good one, Jason Aaron. Um. Well, Don just named a couple of them when he was talking about the Paul Jenkins run. Um, let's see what else. Uh, in recent history, uh, Scarlet Spider number 12 from last year where he's fighting the Santas, I just loved that yeah. issue. It was my favorite Spider-Man-related comic of the whole year, even with all this big stuff happening and amazing. Um, I always had a a uh, soft spot for uh, Zeb Wells' Peter Parker Spider-Man story called Rules of the Game where all these rich people were betting on uh, supervillain Spider-Man fights and just it was written so irreverently and there there was just some strange humor in there that the, Where was this? This was Where in was Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Uh, Paul, huh. Like at the end of it, Zeb Wells started writing it and then okay. uh, Paul Jenkins came back for the... Um, Spectacular Spider-Man. I remember the beach. I remember him. Yeah, but it, it was part of that sort of era. Yeah. I think you know there were just a couple fill-in stories, and uh, so like there was this robot that I, I I don't even really remember it that well, but I just remember laughing really hard as like a teenager reading that. 
Um, <laughs> the scorpion oh, yeah, was the in robot, it. robot like it just start, starts developing feelings and stuff like that. And he's yeah, like, like makes friends about... with like a hobo, I think. And like <laughs> the, the scorpion, the like the, the line read. that I remember, the the scorpion jumps in to fight Spider Man. He's like, Spider Man, let's do violence on each other. And that just seemed like such a weird <laughs> way to put it. Um, I don't know. It's just yeah. written like that, and I don't know what what uh, Wells was thinking, but it just was hilarious. Man, yeah. It, and then he like the the single greatest thing that Spider Man ever did. The Scorpion was web his tail to his leg, so when he you know was lunging with his tail, he literally right. broke his leg. So. You just look. It has a panel of 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 the of his leg all cockeyed right next to his head, and he's got this this pained look on his face. It's 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 That's funny, really weird, but funny. Our next one to Josh. What comics have you been reading lately? Okay, well, I I tried to pick up a lot more when I got the Kindle Fire because that was kind of you know supposed to save my failing you know relationship with comics. It's like you know when you go on the vacation with your wife to try and reinvigorate the marriage and uh, <laughs> now we're back to the rocky relationship again but let's see I've, I've, I've been reading Daredevil and I, I've been liking Daredevil I just don't have the motivation to like read the, the latest issue which is on my Kindle and it's not that I enjoy it when I read it it's just I don't know it's the old thrill's gone I'm reading both of the FF titles and of the two I prefer the one where it's um, Ant-Man She-Hulk and uh, um Johnny Storm's girlfriend, who I like, she she's missing, and oh, uh, who's the uh, Medusa? That's fun. Um, what else? I've, I've, I've read Red She-Hulk for a little while, but I kind of got bored with it and dropped it. And I think that's almost about it from the non-Spider-Man stuff. I sample things here and there. I'm not reading any DC right now. And that's a wrap on this episode. Before we go, let's give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. An example of their great prices is on Morbius number 6. In this one, Morbius goes head-to-head with the Superior Spider-Man, and the cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. man